0: Welcome
1: to the one hundredth episode of the NY Jets Fans Podcast with hosts Davin Charmin and Chris. Please follow them on Twitter at Jets Fans Podcast and Instagram at NY Jets Fans Podcast. Congratulations, guys, on your one hundredth episode!
0: Thank you to to my wife Tanisha, for shouting us out on the one hundred episodes. And well, welcome, guys. Uh, this is one hundred, and What's let's up? get straight to it. Uh, we have Connor Rogers joining us in a few minutes. So um, we're gonna go straight to it real quick. Uh, Antonio Brown and Michael Bennett retire. Uh, Antonio Brown was more of cryptic messages, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> right. So uh, Chris, if if Antonio Brown retired with Michael Bennett, do you see both of them uh, as Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers? Uh,
2: I don't know about Antonio Brown. This, uh, you know, what if he played a few more years? I would say definitely the way he was playing. I don't know if he'd go in now, uh, but um, Michael Bennett has got a better chance, I think. You know, he don't have the sack numbers that you would probably want to see as a Hall of Famer, but I think for a, a short time there, for maybe three, four years, he was probably the best defensive lineman in football or top two or three. You know, he may not have the big sack numbers, like I said, but he was definitely one of the best, if not the best, defensive lineman in football for a few years so he might i mean you could say they're both borderline i guess but i think bennett's got a better shot because i think brown just the last couple you know the last year or two has just been a a complete poop show you know (laughs) (laughs) to say it nicely so i don't think he's gonna get in but i think bennett's got the better shot of getting in but bennett great player and now he's going to spend more time with his family and more uh Socially, uh, more social subjects and stuff like that. So good for him.
1: Yeah. Um, the question, the, I think the more um, important conversation here is about Michael Bennett and a pretty good career that he put together. Um, like you said, he, he spent a, certain, a, a good span of his career being one of the league's better defensive linemen, being able to play the edge and play interior. Or uh, all over the line um, at a really high, kind of a you know a high end kind of you know. So he he definitely is the conversation here in my in you know in my estimation. You know, a uh, bravo to him. You know, um, I wish him luck on whatever um, that he endeavors that he takes after this. You know, um, I always like to see NFL players come to the come to terms with the fact that they that football it's, that's it for them. You know, they gave it their all and they're willing to move on. And i like, like to see what they do afterwards, you know, because I just hate to see human beings just being, you know, peddled down to just, oh, yeah, you could play football and that's it. You know, there's there's more. And the, the man is a very highly educated man. So, uh, you know, kudos to him for Antonio Brown. He's another one of those individuals, unfortunately, that we see daily that struggle with life. You know, he has an issue he has issues and it's to be handled um i i would wish for him and his family that he could handle those um, before football becomes more of something that he does 100% uh, i I, pref- I you know that's just my opinion you know like i i'm i'm nobody i shouldn't you know i'm not saying that i i know what's best for anybody i'm just saying that it just seems like he struggles man he struggles daily to be who he is and you know, it just seems like football is not the answer for him anymore. So I support I support it. if It's real, you know, and it's not just some emotional – because he's had a mul- multiple of those. So I'm hoping that's just, you know, he's actually going to go and try to fix himself and take care of what he got to do. Uh, and, you know, kudos to him too. Definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah shout out to Michael Bennett. And also uh, Antonio Brown had an actual – other than that, 2019 season from 2010 to 2018, he actually had a great, a great career. 11,000 over 11,000 yards, 75 touchdowns. Like, whew, like wow. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it could be a debate for him to be in the Hall of Fame. We get it, his attitude and oh, everything from off the field sucks, but on the field, the man performed. The man definitely performed. Maybe yep. if, not top one, top three, top five, whatever. The man performed his ass off in, this, in the last decade. So, you know, if he, if he does possibly get in, I'm not going to debate it. I'm just going to say, you know, congratulations. But, you know, like y'all said, it's all about what he does off the field from now on. But he got to stop the cryptic messages. And, you know, if you want to play, play. If not, then just hush and keep it moving. <laughs> so, as we move along, um, NFL – uh finally offer no preseason games to the NFLPA. PA. Uh Sharma, do you see a possibility of um do you see a possibility of that happening? And also, uh, real quick, the NFL uh players and the NFL agreed to daily testing for the Rona twice a week. Um no, no, sorry, daily <laughs> testing for the rota for the first two weeks of training camp. So how so do you see the players not playing any preseason games and how was it how was important was it for this uh for the players in the NFL to get that done with the rolling testing.
1: Uh, firstly, um, I want to uh, talk about the um, about the the off season. You know, the preseason games and stuff. I mean, there's been noise around um, getting rid of these games or at least cutting it in half or whatever for for a long time now. And the fact that it's just uh, you know uh, the perfect time, I guess. Under the perfect circumstances to get rid of it, I guess. Um, the problem with that, which I, you know, I've heard multiple experts say over and over again, and which I agree with, is what about all these undrafted free agents and, you know, and the rookies that's going to come into um, playing NFL and had not had an, a proper NFL snap until the first game in the actual pros uh, that's not going to be good. Um, I don't think a lot of players are going to thrive under those circumstances because practice is not enough. You need the bright lights, you know, first you need to, you know, you need to get a taste of it first before you could put, you know, put, you know, implement the whole game plan and give a rookie to, you know, you know, to try to execute it. So man, like I've said before, um, this is going to, this has, uh, ramifications of causing a watered down type of football game play, you know, game. And that's not what I'm for, man. I like high end pro football, like a lot of fans do. And I think, and I just, I can't see past this. I, you know, I might be proven wrong, but I just, you know, getting rid of a preseason games is something that I just don't agree with. Um, I think it's a, it's something that the NFL is doing under the circumstances to pro- probably to kind of uh, trick or not trick, but to kind of motivate the players into doing what they want them to do, which is, you know, not fight them on starting the season, you know, without the proper protocols in place. So they're trying to throw them a bone. In my opinion, that's, that's just my opinion, but um, I disagree with that. With the um, the COVID-19 testing, that's, that needs to be done. This is something that every league that has started their season Uh, under these circumstances have implemented and the NFL had to do this. This is very important. First and foremost, that needed to be the first thing they get it implemented anyway. So that way you could track and understand who's sick and who's not sick and get them out of there before they infect a bunch of people. So yeah, I I applaud them in getting that that done. Yeah,
2: and uh, I I definitely agree with you on the preseason games. I, I thought we'd see at least one or two this offseason, but um, it's looking more and more that there's going to be none. But I'm sure they're going to do some kind of a scrimmage with another team, I would think, because they do that anyway usually during preseason. So maybe they'll do that instead of, you know, doing a preseason game. Maybe they're trying to limit the, the travel early on. I mean, it's going to happen anyway. Um, but it's definitely going to affect the, the, the gameplay without a doubt. And we spoke about how much it's going to impact rookies and especially the undrafted rookies that need the that need the game you know the the playing on the field on, during a game to uh, to prove themselves you know to show the coaches that you know they're, they're up to speed and everything because you know practice is one thing you know being good in practice is one thing but being good on on the actual uh during a game is 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 where it really counts so um I think for that reason, too, it's going to make a big impact. Uh, and the testing, I think, is good. You know, um, I was reading something t- today about it. Uh, the, right now, to report to camp, the rookies have to go in, get tested, and then they're going to get sent home for two days and to wait for the results to come back. And if they're, po- you know, if they're negative, boom, they could, they could show up for camp. And I think that's for the veterans as well. When they show up a couple of days later, they got to get tested first, go home make sure they're negative and then come down. And then like you said, for the first two weeks, uh, testing every day, which is great. And then I think if they're under 5% uh, negatives, uh, positives, uh, then they're gonna go to every other day testing. So, and you know what, it comes down to pretty simple, not simple, but it comes down to the players and the team and whoever's associated with the team, they have to be responsible. You know, just like we are, you know we're we're responsible. We don't want to get sick if we go out or something like that. They just have to be responsible. If they go out, you got to be very very careful where you are, what you're doing, who you're who you're with. Are you wearing the mask? Obviously, that's an issue too. So I, I think you're washing your hands, to, right? You know that. I mean, it sounds yeah, like this stuff but some people it's not. You know, some people are not taking the situation serious enough, and hopefully the players and the, you know, and everybody on the team, coaches and trainers and everybody involved. I'm not just talking about the players because it only takes one person to, yes. you know, to infect everybody. So I think that's what it's going to come down to is responsibility on on the team's side to just say, hey guys, let's just be as good as possible and not as possible, but better than we've ever been. Be very <laughs> responsible out there. And, you know, and that's all you could do. I think teams with the good veteran leadership. I think those are the ones that are going to get to the younger younger guys and and say, listen, we got to stay clean. We got to do whatever, but let's just stay out of trouble for four months, five months. Not a trouble, but you know what I mean. Just
1: yes, you know what I mean. I I, I get, I understand. I think <laughs> I think that I think that goes both with COVID nineteen uh, preparedness and for the season on yeah. the whole. I yeah. think the I think the more senior teams, the teams with the better leadership in the locker room, not just for not coaches only. Um, they're the ones that are going to survive this. If this really goes on and completes, the, we have a complete season. I think those teams are the ones that are going to uh, rise to the top because, because at the end of the day, like you said, you need a hundred percent participation in this a hundred percent responsibility for everybody. And that's the only way this is going to work.
0: And last but not least, uh, these players wants to come, wants to uh, come home to their family. So they want to make sure everything goes uh not as good on, you know, playing football, but also to wanting to come home to their children and to their wives and you know, and and everything else. So, uh, hopefully, we'll we'll get more information on that. And um, before we go, uh, Chris, uh, and just in your take uh, from reading the articles and everything, what what do you see the new normal for 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 this NFL season? Do you see do you see them daily testing? Every other day, before the before the game start, like just in your like just in your opinion, and also your opinion, Shawnee, I mean, what do you see as the NFL new normal for this season? I just hope that
2: eventually we get to this year at least. Just the you know the every other day testing, and then obviously testing you know before game you know so probably on a Friday they're gonna have to test. Um, you know if you read the uh, Peter King article that was posted today um, or yesterday on Pro Football Talk. It was really good. I mean, he was at the Minnesota uh, Vikings facility and just describing how how clean each room is and how careful they are and all that. And I'm sure every team is doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is this year. Let's hope it's this is the only year we got to deal with this. And next year, we can go back to somewhat of a normal routine, <laughs> you know, in our lives, too. But, you uh, I know this year it's going to be tricky. You know, I mean, these other sports are starting up, but like football, baseball, they're going to be traveling. You know, they're not in a bubble like the NHL, the NBA and the MLS. So it's, it's definitely tricky for the NFL and and major league baseball because they're going to be traveling more, going to cities, being, going on the road, you know, so you have more of a, I think you have more of an impulse to go out and to, you know, whatever. So, um, it's, it's going to be tricky this year, you know, for, uh, um, but hopefully this new, this new normal is only for this year, you know, hopefully next year we're back to somewhat of a normal life and there's a vaccine, you know, and, uh, not these extra, extra, extra precautions are, are being put out there. So I'm just crossing my fingers that this is only going to be for this year and we could get through this year too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean for me the new I think the more glaring um, new normal uh Davin is is the empty stadiums I think I think I watched a Yankees a Yankee game the first Yankee game and I was just taken aback by how empty everything was it just it it just looked odd you know and I think it's going to take a little getting used to by um by fans but we all love football and we'll do whatever it takes to get a good game in so uh, we'll cheer it on, man, and we'll we'll enjoy it for the most part, you know. Um, like like Chris said, for everything Chris said too, man. It's just gonna be an odd thing seeing players walking around with masks and all this stuff, you know. I think I think I think probably these the NFL could be or the sports could be probably a, a, a kind of a leader in 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 um, implementing this 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 lifestyle just so that we could get rid of this thing, you know. Uh, because people will keep saying the same thing over and over again. And, and it's like, nobody listens, you know, wash your hands, wear a mask and all that stuff, you know, just common stuff. And, you know, unfortunately uh, not enough, not enough people are, are, are following. And then we keep having these spikes. Let's hope that the NFL players follow suit, do what they got to do. So we have a complete season.
0: And last but not least, there's no home field advantage for any team <laughs> <And> that's, <laughs> that's my new normal so it's just that's, denver because <laughs> they're uh, up and you know they got yeah. the, uh, they said the ravens too but i don't i don't know like we don't know who's going to get fans or who not but it's still really no advantage if it's just a 20 a percent capacity or 15 or 10 percent capacity of fans i think you it
2: just know? comes down to the weather on some of these teams you know like if you got you know, a Florida, you know, a warm weather team, let's say even the, the saints, they play in a dome. If they got to go up and play in green Bay in January in the playoffs, you know, that's where it's going to get affected. I think, uh, the whole, mm. I think other than weather, I don't, even if there's, like you said, uh 25% fans, I don't think that's going to be a, that that's not going to make an impact on, on the teams, at least not, you know, I think it just wow. comes down to playing, um, uh, you know if the elements are going to play a part in any of these games whether it's cold or if it's raining or stuff snow and you know stuff like that
1: right yeah yeah that that i think the only thing you said there about denver the the altitude i think i think teams it's still a jarring thing going into denver yeah um with with the with the altitude change man i think that's the own that's probably the only stadium but other than that i don't think it's going to be an issue i think i think you know you could tune most of that stuff out because like like you correctly said, even if it's 14% or 25%, I don't think that's going to – I think Davin is right. No home field advantage. There's never right. really – there's not going to be that.
0: Right. And then that's it for now. Uh, we'll come to a quick break. When we come back, we'll have Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report coming to join us and talk about some Jets. Welcome back to the podcast. As we have uh, a very special guest from Bleachers Report and Turn on the Jets podcast, Connor Rogers. How you feeling today?
1: Good
3: guys, good. Everything's good here. How are y'all doing today?
1: Yeah, T- I'm good, good, man. Most <laughs> well, definitely. So go right ahead, yeah.
0: Shaman. Ask your first question.
1: Yeah, man. I, of course, we uh, probably one of the most noto- notorious Jets fans out there. Uh, we have to start with the Jets. Um, With the Jamal Adams debacle, man, Um, just the fact that, you know, it went the way it went. It's almost like a a Jets curse, you know, like the worst could happen even when you think that it couldn't or it shouldn't. And um, what are you hearing, man? Um, Are you hearing, is it, is it, uh, is he going to sign a contract? Are they going to offer him a contract or are they working on a trade? What's going on? Well, I'll say it like this.
3: I think all of those options are certainly on the table. Now, for Jamal, you know, everything I've heard is that he plans on showing up to camp. I think one of the questions is how much will he, you know, do when he gets there? Because obviously a huge part is the new CBA. It's very tough for these guys to hold out, right? We saw Melvin Gordon lose a lot of money. We've seen Le'Veon Bell lose a lot of money. And Jamal Adams, you know, probably, from what I can gather, understands that missing time in camp now you know if he's a day late or something like that make a statement it wouldn't be the most shocking thing but everything I've heard is he plans on reporting to Jets camp it's not going to take on those kind of fines now you know we'll see how much he participates I think all in the end of this I think cooler heads have prevailed where if you're Jamal Adams you might be angry you might not want to be there anymore but at some point, you know, you're, you're going into year four of your contract. You really don't have a lot of leverage. At some point, you got to just put the pads on from, from a smart perspective and show, you know, you know, he doesn't have to show what he's worth, right? We know he's the best safety in football. Yep. I think you could sit there and justify that he's a guy that's going to get $17 million a year. Now, he's been out, outspoken that he doesn't want to just reset the safety market, so maybe he wants closer to $20 million a year. Joe Douglas is a guy that has come out and said it, you know, they want Jamal all there, but there comes a point in this guys where you have to say, Hey, does he want to be here? Right. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, it, he really didn't give them a lot of time in the middle of a pandemic before requesting a trade. Now it wasn't a, Hey, give me a contract or I want to trade. It was, I want to trade now because this yep. didn't go the way I wanted. Now, I actually thought, you know, you never want to make your star player upset, but I thought, you know, number one, Jamal Adams is, is a great player. There was times where I just don't think he necessarily handled this the right way by constantly taking it to social media. Um, you know, I understand the frustrations I do. And I think Jamal Adams deserves to get paid. I really do. I also think the jets didn't appreciate being embarrassed at, at a bizarre time in our world, to be honest with you. Now, if he does show up and the Jets just don't start those conversations with him about a contract, then it's not a great look all around, right? Then you're looking at it and going, okay, you know, they, then you have to start fielding some trade offers. But Joe Douglas is – I'll tell you this, guys. Joe Douglas is not going to give him away. It, it's not – you know, I've seen fantasy land from other fan bases going, hey, well, you know, a second-round pick. And it's like, no, that's not <laughs> – that's not what Jamal Adams is bringing back. It starts with a first-rounder. Unless now in an ideal world, you'd love to get a, a good player, and then the first rounder comes off the table. If you can get like, you know, I know Michael Gallup's name has been thrown around. I don't think the Cowboys are going to move him. I know Lyle Collins' name has been thrown around. Don't think they're going to move him. But if one of those guys are in the package, then it's then it's one of those guys in a later pick, not a first round pick. So mm. the value for him is high. They're not desperate. They're re- they they're just not. They're not desperate at all. They want him to be there long term. And it's it's tough for Jamal because his leverage right now is just not very, very high where, like I said on Twitter, I, you know, I've heard from very reliable people that he plans on showing up to camp and we'll see how much he does when he gets there.
1: Yeah. Uh, just a, just a problematic thing, man. It seems like every off season we have to deal with some kind of stuff as guest <laughs> fans, you know, so I uh, hope this goes away. I hope when he shows up, they do. Have conversations with him about con- about a contract and an extension because, like you said, he's definitely uh, the best safety in football right now. Connor, before uh,
2: the next. Hold on a second, uh, Charmin. Before go we go ahead, on, go. before we get off of uh, Jamal, what? How do you think it's going to end? Do you, do you see uh, an extension next off season, or do you see a trade?
3: If I had to just make a choice, guys, right? Because it's easy to be in the middle on all this because they like I said, all options are on the table. I think he's going to be traded. I just think, you know, and people are upset over this. (laughs) But the problem is, I'm not fully convinced Jamal Adams ever really wanted to be here. You know, maybe when he got here, he was excited. Maybe, you know, I think at some point, probably after year two, he sat around and said, okay, this isn't a winning franchise. I want to go win. I'd like to go home, Dallas. Hmm. Now, I I just don't think Dallas is – interested in giving up a ton for him at this moment they have there's a lot of problems here guys you have the problem with dax contract you have the problem with the salary cap could plummet in the next couple years there's a lot of issues at hand now the jets now this could come full circle where there's no suitors for him he realizes he doesn't have the market externally and the jets actually are like hey we'll give you the 17 million dollars a year if you still want to be here and he he, sits, he goes back to his agent and they go, hey, this is as good as it's going to get because the salary cap is just a, is in shambles right now. But if I had to choose one, I, I do think that this has just gotten so toxic. Listen, everybody did their part wrong, right? You can make the argument that Jets should have made him happy and got this done. We don't know what number that is, though. And, and hmm. once again, I just ultimately think Jamal Adams really doesn't want to be here anymore.
1: Mm. yeah
0: there you go
3: <laughs>
0: you know, I, I was one of the people that, that actually first said it before all of this toxic was that Jamal Adams wanted to <laughs> to leave and you know and I felt like the toxic I mean you might feel differently Connor but I just felt as, as in as uh, since the trade deadline and you know Joe Douglas listening to offers that Jamal had felt some type of way to make him you know be this way
3: oh, I think so I, I think Listen. If anybody didn't doesn't feel that way by now, I think they're just kind of trying to, you know, you, you don't. It's not what you want to hear, right? He's a great oh, yeah. player. Yep. It's the Jets just don't draft and develop oh, yeah. great players oh. like this very often, right, guys? It feels reminiscent to Darrell Revis. Now, I, Jamal Adams is not Darrell Revis. I am uh, now. I. <laughs> it's, it's tough for me to sit here and say like, I, to, Darrell Revis is the greatest player to ever wear a Jets uniform in terms of talent right? like He he might not be the greatest Jet because it didn't end the way we wanted it to. You know, you have Namath and Curtis Martin in that category, but Revis is the most talented player to ever put on a Jets uniform. But Revis, as cutthroat as he was in negotiations and deserved every dollar he got. And I've, and I've, I had one conversation with Darrell in my life and it was a a lot of it was about this because it was during the Le'Veon held out. Darrell told me, you know, when you hold out the smartest thing to do is not turn on the TV and just shut down. He would go, he'd go down South and he'd shut it down. He wouldn't pay attention to the media. He'd let his agents do the work, man. Jamal Adams has done the exact opposite and it's just, it's not working. It's not. And listen, you don't want to tell somebody to shut up, right? Like that's not, that's not my business. That's not the way it should go. But it it just, I think this has rubbed the fan base the wrong way. I think it's rubbed the Jets organization the wrong way. It really has. And you know, for such a great player this has taken a really really bad turn where what, there no one's going to sit here and say Jamal Adams doesn't deserve a huge contract extension, right? But I just don't know if everything can rebound from this at this point.
1: True. True. You you you're so right, man. I think I think it's just it just uh take it take it back to to kind of reverse all of this it, it just seems impossible at this point um but to move on um i think i think one of the uh, um one of the things we're looking we're really looking at um looking forward to um for the new season is the return of some injured players um because uh i think the defense even if they kind of uh they played pretty well in spurts last year i think we they really missed uh, CJ Mosley and Avery Williamson uh, the return of these two guys man how do you see the, the impact on, 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 on Greg Williams defense how big of an impact do you think they're going to have I mean they could be the best
3: inside linebacker duo in football and if they don't reach that wow. mountain they should be a top five unit as you know a lock right and now it's it's crazy to sit there and say with Avery coming off such a significant injury CJ you know, tried to leg through that injury last year. You know, you got to commend the guy for not wanting to look like he got paid and checked out, but it just didn't work. Now, Avery looks like he's moving really, really well. I'm really glad they didn't cut him. There was no reason to cut him. I just – I don't even understand the – now, if the team does it, will I be shocked? No, but they should not move on from him. We know what C.J. Mosley could do when he's healthy. I mean, an absolute baller. These guys – why they're so talented and why I put them, and I don't speak about things with the Jets like that a lot, but why I believe that they can be the best inside linebacker duo on football, how interchangeable they are in coverage is special, right? I think Avery moves a lot better than giving credit for. We know what CJ could do in coverage. We know how smart both of them are. And they have bodies in front of them where they're going to be able to yeah, run free. Yeah. Uh, you look at <laughs> what Foley Fadokasi did last year. Uh, it's his ability to control his gaps, take on double teams. Nathan Shepard played pretty well. We know what McClendon can do. Quinn Williams is healthy this year. I think we'll see. we'll see an improvement from him. These guys are going to be able to run free. They're going to be able to make things happen. And this is why, once again, it's a shame that you might lose Jamal Adams because if you have Jamal Adams matching up with the talented tight ends in this division –
1: Oh you can God. really
3: use Avery and Mosley in different ways, as blitzers, as guys that could run with running backs, in zone coverage. There's, you know, a lot of promise up the middle of this defense with these two guys back.
1: Yeah. Um, I think you touched on something very important there. Um, I, I just saw PFF put on a ranking of the jet, of, of defensive, line, uh, def- defensive line groups, and the Jets were ranked 31st. And that was ridiculous in my opinion, because if you kind of watch the film, uh that's not a fully first ranked defensive line. You know, I mean the fact that they did not um uh pressure the the, the you know, have a lot of pressures, you know, and pass cover, you know, pass uh, coverage, I understand that's an issue and that's been an issue with the Jets for a long time. But they were moving the line of scrimmage, man, a lot. You know, it, they gave a lot of teams a lot of issues. So I don't understand why, well, you know, uh, as Jets fans, we know people like to take shots at the Jets, but, (laughs) but I just, you know, I just think, I just, you know, talk a little bit about, about what you saw with, with, um, with the defensive line.
3: And and to give a fair shake of the analytics side of things, Warren Sharp, who does just as much, if not more analytics than PFF, you Mm -hmm. know, had them as the best. Uh, run defense in football like the best run defense in football so there you go you know like you said the pass rush win rate which I think ESPN actually had them middle of the road in pass rush win rate so there's all different kinds of numbers right and and you kind of get somewhere in the middle right you know PFF obviously low on them Warren Sharp very high on the run defense ESPN in the middle on the pass rush and that's probably what they are I actually interest that they're you know, they are fringe top 10. It, the pass rush is a big problem on the edge, but they should be able to get an interior rush this year. Nobody's going to run the football on them. The bigger issue is they do play a lot of better mm. passing teams this year. So they're going to get thrown out a lot. They need a big bounce back here from Desir if he's healthy. You need one of the young corners to break out. You need Jamal Adams on the field to match up with tight ends and backs. You need the linebackers to stay healthy to match up with running backs and tight ends. The run defense, though, there's really no concerns. I mean, once again, Foley Fadokasi is a true nose tackle that can two-gap. You have somebody like Nathan Shepard that gives you a lot of juice in the inside. Henry Anderson did not have a good year. Hopefully he bounces back. McClendon always brings it. You know, and once again, you're expecting and Williams who's the number three overall pick to be a productive player this year. So I like the defensive line up the middle. I like them a lot as a run stopping unit. The problem is, they just don't have an edge pass rusher after Jordan Jenkins. You know, it's it's going to be interesting with him and Terrell Basham as the main guys. Greg is going to have to get creative. I think you're going to see a lot of blitzing. I think you're going to see plenty of Jamal Adams rushing the passer if he's on the field. I think you're going to see some slot blitzing from Brian Poole. I think you're going to see the linebackers get a lot of their chances at overloading one side. So, It's a good defensive line. It's a shame that, you know, they're missing. It kind of makes you sit there and go, man, what would a swap of Jamal Adams for Yannick Ngakwe do for this team? (laughs) Because you you drafted Ashton Davis, and I'm not saying Ashton Davis will be Jamal Adams, but you feel like Ashton Davis and Marcus May are are a middle-of-the-road safety duo. You add a premium edge rusher up front, it kind of puts the icing on the cake of your front seven. It's something and I'm not saying that's something they're exploring, but it's something that I personally I've thought about before when building a defense and you'll see it over time guys, you'll see Joe Douglas flip this unit from, you know, he's going to look at cornerbacks and edge rushers a lot over the next two drafts, you're going to see it a lot and this and that might be another reason he's sitting there going hey I can't allocate 17 to 20 million dollars a year to a safety, because I know where I'm going to build my defense
1: yeah, that's very true, man. I just hope that maybe one of those rookies stand stand up um stand, come forward, you know, maybe uh Zuniga or or maybe the kid the kid uh from Kentucky, uh Huff, I think is his name. Oh yes, Bryce but, Huff. Yeah, um yeah, maybe he comes to be I like I really like his tape, so maybe he comes through.
0: Yeah, Sean, so real quick. Uh do you uh Connor, do you see any of these rookies um from this draft class having an impact this year?
3: Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, obviously Mekhi Beckton is going to start at left tackle and I think he'll, he'll have his ups and downs, right? Because it's not easy stepping into the league and starting at left tackle on a bad offensive line. He's not going to have a pro Bowl guard next to him. He's not going to be afforded the opportunity to get help from the tight ends a lot. He's going to be on an Island. So is he going to have some ups and downs and pass pro probably is he going to change the dynamic of this team's ability to run the football? Probably. That's exciting. I think when you look at Denzel Mims, a lot of people aren't really talking. You know, you look at him and you love the athletic profile. You go, okay, this guy's size, speed, explosive, everything checks the box at the combine. He's kind of a different player on film where, you know, he's not going to be this target monster, right? He's not going to come in and be this number one. And, you know, he's probably going to fall behind Crowder, And Herndon and targets. I don't know what to expect from Perriman, but you know Mims is a guy that's in the middle of the pack for targets, but he does a lot of things outside of that that impact the football game. Great, great blocker. Just a phenomenal blocker. They were miserable. Their passing offense in the red zone was miserable last year. He's phenomenal in the red zone. He led the country in contested catch rate. So, Darnold's never played with a guy like this. You know, Robbie Anderson had the speed, Rob, Robbie Anderson was not a jump ball player very often. Denzel Mims is a jump ball player. So we're going to see what Darnold – and uh, to be honest with you, the closest guy that's been a jump ball player for Sam has been Herndon, and we saw it for one year. And, and Sam likes those guys. He likes giving his players a chance. Yes, so sir. I, I, I'm in the middle on Mims. Adam Gase does not have a good history with rookie wide receivers, Aye. and that scares me. <laughs> That scares me that there could be biases against him. That scares me that they bring in a vet like Demarius Thomas that eats up snaps for no reason. Those factors, guys, I can't control. But what I can tell you is I know Denzel Mims can make an impact right away on the field if afforded the opportunities. Now, those are the obvious ones. We know those guys are going to play. There's no secret about that. I think Ashton Davis is going to see plenty of time as a, as a matchup piece, a cover matchup player might even be a cornerback at times, might play slot corner, might play deep safety, might play in the box. He did all of those things at Cal. Zuniga, not terribly high on Zuniga, but he might bring a spark on third downs for the pass rush. And then bringing in Frank Gore probably erases a big effect from Pirine, barring a significant injury, Cam Clark is going to develop this year and hopefully start at guard in 2021. Now we, we're not afforded the luxury of a preseason. We will not get to see James Morgan hmm. it, probably this year. You know, even if Sam gets hurt, Flacco should be ready by the time things kick off. So it's, um, you know, and then Bryce Hall is another guy that we, we just don't know where he's at physically right now. But, uh, you know, in terms of being a zone corner he has starter potential, and I think it's an exciting guy. That's a, a stash player.
1: Yeah, um, that, that I think that's the issue with this whole COVID nineteen thing. I think it really kind of put a, a stop to a little bit of a progress, especially with some of those rookies and undrafted players that uh, a lot of us uh, watching them play in college, and, and we would think that they would get a shot at starting or getting, you know, get to the team a little bit more. Uh, if they had a, a full off season, unfortunately, that, that doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, since you, you kind of com commented on, on Gase a little bit, I wanted to um, kind of extend the, uh, the, my next question a little bit towards him. Um, our friend uh, Michael Narnium kind of had a, a article where he, he stated that um, he kind of pointed out that uh, Gase has this uh, affinity for kind of uh thinking himself. Um, what's your take on that? It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of crazy, but yeah. What's your take on that?
3: I think it's a it's a very simple and smart way to put things. I think when you look at it, you know, I had this conversation with Warren Sharp last week, where you know you go through Warren's numbers and you look at it. The Jets inexplicably and you know unexplainably run the ball a ton on second and ten second and long, second and 10 plus. And the problem is the Jets do this at an alarming rate. They do this third most in the NFL last year. Okay, well, how do they do when they do that? Not good. They average, I think, three yards a carry when they do that. So that means you're putting Sam Darnold in third and seven plus a lot, a real lot. And it's just not – at some point you need to see that trend and go, okay, we need to stop doing that. We don't have the personnel. Maybe this year's different, right? Like if Makai Beckton comes out and he looks like a top ten run blocker in football, and that, I don't think those are fair expectations for a rookie with a different training camp, but crazier things have happened. Right. Makai Beckton comes out and you go, hey, we could run behind this guy, like back in the day when they used to run behind Damian Woody and you know, they used to get Alan Fanica out in front and Nick Mangold and, and Brick was more of a a premier pass protector, but Brick also had his days in the run game then it's a little different where that average goes from three yards a carry to, you know, maybe early on you get hot and it gets to six. Then you're looking at third and fours. That, that's not a ridiculous situation, but when you're in third and seven plus a lot as a young quarterback where he's not throwing a Julio Jones out there, you know, he's not throwing a Rob Gronkowski, it's it's very difficult to succeed. And these are the things with Gase where I sit there and look. Gase understands – you know some things very well. I think Gase understands that first downs. You, it, this is a passing league, and on first and ten, you should come out of the gate throwing the ball. Now the problem with Gase is, it's like when that doesn't work on second and long. He's like, okay, let's let's settle down and run the ball. It doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't. It didn't work for this team last year. So that's a very very micro. You know, it's a. You look at it, it's a very limited – it's a – I shouldn't say limited because there's plenty of data on them doing that. But it's one instance of gays. just – it's just not smart football. And, you know, they, they don't run much motion. They're, like, near the bottom of the league in motion, creativity. They have no outs. No, it's insane. And look at the teams that do it the most. You could sit there and go, well, maybe they don't do that because it doesn't work. Well, let's tell that to the 49ers <laughs> and Rams, right? Like, nope. 49ers and Rams offenses look fine. So, yeah, it's things like that where you go – there's certain things where he's caught up with the league. I think passing rate seems to be one. Uh, you, but there's certain things where he's just miles behind. And this is, this is a league where you're seeing guys thrive on wide zone running games. This team had no outside run game. And Gase is going to always point back and go, hey, it's, I don't have the personnel to do it. Okay, it's year two. <laughs> you just spent – money and picks on offensive linemen and running backs so what's the excuse going to be this year so I I'm curious to see this team I want to see drastic changes in the offense I don't like if it resembles anything from last year there's I I don't think there was an excuse to keep them this year for the seven people out there that did want them to come back you know (laughs) if this goes on again, it's, I don't know what you're waiting for. Like, and Christopher Johnson came out and said, he's coaching to where the game's going. Well, if you look at the data, if you look at the data, he's not. So, no. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not somebody that's, I'd like to, uh, you know, classify myself in the middle, right? Like I like analytics. I don't live and die with analytics. I like film. I don't live and die with film. I bridge mm. them together. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and film usually tells most of the story, but I don't sit there and just say, Hey, this guy is good film, but he ran a four eight forty at wide receivers. It's gonna work. Like I'm not that, you know, stubborn. So <laughs> they they need to really just show a lot of different things last year in terms of overall trends and uh to kind of break this.
2: Do you think um if they finish seven and nine, eight and eight? Do you think he sticks or do you think they get rid of him no
3: matter what i'll tell you i, I think it's a great question because kind of like the jamal adams scenario it can go a lot of ways because it depends on the seven and nine and eight and eight right like if they go eight and eight but say cj mosley gets hurt again jamal adams you know pulls a Jalen ramsey and doesn't shows up but doesn't want to do anything and, and gets moved and the defense stinks but Sam Darnold throws 28 touchdowns and 10 picks. And, you know, the offense is, Le'Veon Bell bounces back. Yeah, I, I think they'd roll with him again because this is all, and you know what? I, I'd be the first person to stand up and go, great. You know, Ad, I was wrong. Adam Gase is starting to mm. develop Sam Darnold. I mean, is anybody sitting here actually thinking that's going to happen this year against no. this schedule? <laughs> <laughs> for, I would love to see it. I'd love to see it. Yeah. So, and you can go eight and eight and still have things like that happen. Mm. But I just, now if they go seven and nine and Darnold takes the babyest of baby steps and Denzel Mims doesn't play and Greg Williams somehow coaches this defensive unit as a top 10 unit again. And Le'Veon Bell is, is not used creatively at all and all the data is the same playbook as 2019, all the problems, then he has to be gone. Now, I don't own the Jets. I would have never hired Adam Gase. And (laughs) I would have never brought him back this year. I don't care how much was left on the contract. It's a billion-dollar franchise. It doesn't – it's pennies under a couch at that point. Like, (laughs) I think when you look at it, you know, I I can't ultimately predict – the decisions because they've been so volatile in recent years but i will yeah. s- on the po- positive side of it i believe in joe douglas i like that joe douglas held out for a six-year deal because i think joe deserves to hire his own head coach if if gase doesn't turn things around and i think ultimately he's going to get that
1: chance yeah i think i think in light of everything you just said um i think the next question has to be i mean is there any chance that sam donald does take that leap that next step then under the circumstances i think he's good enough that's the thing i tell people all the time it,
3: the thing that could save adam Gase is that donald is just talented enough and, and we've seen this over the years right like look at all those detroit lions teams it with stafford St- and stafford doesn't get enough credit in this league but Absolutely. stafford is a guy that just hmm. just balled out on his you know calvin johnson was there sure but it get, you know, Stafford just balled out, and and I don't I don't think any of those staffs were overwhelmingly great, not terrible, as gaze, but not overwhelming. There's a lot of examples like that, where I think Dar- and once again, you know, Darnold. It's it, I don't want to say put up or shut up time, because he hasn't been in a good situation. He's still young, but you'd really like to see some progress this year, and and I think if that progress begins. You know, Darnold's a guy that, and I really respect this about him, he's always going to say the right thing or, you know, the the publicly right thing. He's never going to throw Adam Gase under the bus. He's just a good person, a hardworking person. He never makes excuses. And I think that ultimately could, could help Adam Gase if it came down to that.
1: Yeah, uh, um I'm 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 hoping that he does take the step, man. I think like all of us, I think we we're all hoping that. Um I think the next question should be um Bell has been um making the rounds, um kind of hinting at his return to Pittsburgh form. Um is how you you think this is possible?
3: I, I think that's a stretch because he was, you know, almost a Hall of Fame level running back in that Pittsburgh form with the numbers he put up. It, that's a lot to ask. Now, what I will say is, can he be a top 10 running back this year? Of course. I mean, now, you know, I just don't think he'll, he'll necessarily get the workload to do that. But is it possible with the addition of Becton, you know, with Sam taking steps forward, things like that, I don't think it's impossible. And I think Bell's a guy that works hard, and he's somebody that – that wants to be great and wants to bounce back this year and wants to live up to the contract, you know, but will his carries get eaten into by a Frank Gore? You know, will there be issues along the lines of that? You know, is he going to have the juice that he used to have? You know, that's a lot, that's a lot to ask of a running back. That's, you know, I don't want to say getting older, but a lot of tread on the tires. So I temper my expectations with bell, but I, I still think he's a phenomenal player. I think what he could do in the past game needs to be amplified this year.
1: Oh, yeah. I, that goes without saying, man. I think that that was a cross-the-board disappointment. Um, I think Chris said it the most I um, between all three of us saying over and over again that that Bell was not being used enough, creatively enough. And I kind of uh, made the argument that maybe, you know, it was because of all the pressure that um, Sam was feeling and they had to leave Bell in for protection a lot of the times. think also, that's enough of also, an excuse. Simon. But
0: also, Sharman, yep. it was due mm-hmm. to uh, less than average uh, offensive linemen. Um, uh, just real quick, kind of, uh, could you could you give us some insight on? Do you think that this year's linemen, uh, since we're going to have a different uh, like offensive lineman uh, lineup, uh, do you think it's going to be better than last year to help out Bell?
3: I, I think it'll be better, especially in the run game. To help out Bell is a, is a very important question, right? Beckton is yeah. going to be an upgrade from. I didn't think Kelvin Beecham got a fair rap here. I thought he's actually a good pass protector. He just doesn't bring anything in the run game, and Becton does. I think, you know, Fant is athletic enough to help in the run game. He's going to struggle in pass pro. So this unit, McGovern, just a really rock-solid player in the middle. Center has been awful for this team for Dude. how long now. <laughs> it, that matters a lot. So, yes, the, this offensive line is going to help Bell. They're going to be an improvement for Sam Darnold. I still think they'll be probably a bottom 10 unit. And now here's the thing, guys. They were probably the second worst unit in football last year, right, besides the Dolphins. Now, being a, a bottom two unit and a bottom 10 unit can be life or death for a quarterback. Like some guys, especially a guy that can move like Sam and has good feel, they could survive with a 25th, 24th ranked unit, a 31st ranked unit. And Sam, I think Sam had, was pressured the most out of any quarterback in the league. It was like over 42% of his dropbacks, which is wow. unfathomable. Like that's, that's really a life. for So I try to tell people like, cause when I say that, they kind of sigh. They're like, Oh, we spent all this money. We drafted, you know, Makai Becton. How are we, how are we bottom 10? It's like, well, in one, it takes time. Two, you added a lot of one-year pieces besides McGovern. So – and three, that's a big jump. That's a really big jump. Like, you you, you're getting closer to being a mediocre unit a, compared to an abysmal one, at a position like offensive line, that's a really, really big difference. So, I, I'm cautiously optimistic for this unit, right? I think – We're all going to really love to watch Mekhi Becton because we know he can make people look foolish and he's hungry. You know, you love his attitude. You know, McGovern brings reliability to the center position. That's big for a quarterback. Those are the two things that'll jump out to Jets fans right away. And, you know, it might not be an all world unit, but it'll, it'll be, it'll be better.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're looking forward to it, man. Um, we always bring you on for jet stuff. Uh, we we said for this this time we'll switch it up a little bit and do a little bit of NFL on the on on, on the side. Um, what what is your take on the whole um, all these NFL stars basically um, on like they're just unhappy with the whole um, COVID-19 preparedness before the season and and how the whole things and being handled by the NFL? What's your take? Well, I think
3: they're right. Number one that there was not the proper protocols in place for them and they still have to report anyway, right? Because of the CBA, they can't file a grievance until <laughs> problems arise while they're there. What that essentially means is they can't m- make a problem about it until people actually get coronavirus. That's not acceptable, right? Like that's not, that's not safe, that's not, it's, it doesn't really, it's just not good all around. But it seems like the league – the players did the right thing. They put the league, you know, on blast, and the league made moves. They've offered no preseason games. They've offered daily testing for two weeks. And then, you know, I think every other day they'll scale back over time once you wean out the players that test positive. So I, the players did the right thing. The protocols are being put in place. Now it's a – talk about last minute. Would have been nice to have these things solved a month ago, but it ultimately got done and I'm with the players. I mean, would you guys want to go back to work and not know, you know, what coworkers are, are testing positive and, and you have no assurance of who tested and what the protocol is and, you know, when you, you know, what's sanitized, what's clean, you know, mm. how many days you need to be. It's, those, are, those are fair questions for anyone in America right now. So, yes. and, and, foot, and I always tell people, football, the NFL football is, is different, right? Like, they, it's, you know, it's, it's a contact sport. They're around each other in, in strength and conditioning. Like, you need protocols in place to make this work. It's, it's not baseball. It's not even basketball. It's, you know, it's a very uh, high risk of spread. And it, it's good to see them finally really getting – the right protocols in place now that the players spoke up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um well, we want to we want to do a little something man uh for the um we want to do a little uh prediction with you for the M- upcoming NFL season. We're going to go through the each of the conferences um uh what's uh, on the AFC East? Um what's your take on the storylines in the AFC East and who you think comes out of the AFC East? Well, I mean,
3: it's it's all about Cam Newton, right? I mean, that's how I feel, and I think people are almost overlooking it. I, I'm not picking against New England until I see the fall. I actually <laughs> think – I now I know he's been banged up, but I actually think Cam Newton can be an upgrade over what Tom Brady was last year. So they still have a good defense. They still have the best head coach in football. I like what the Bills are doing. I just I, – I'm not going to take – a Josh Allen-led team necessarily over Bill Belichick right now. And, mm. you know, once again, Cam Newton is a bit of a prayer, but I'm a believer in a sense that he could make a difference. So, you know, and then with the Jets and Dolphins, it's it's watching a transition period. Joe Douglas is getting his hands on the Jets roster. Brian Flores and Chris Greer are drafting a Dolphins roster that needed a ton of work. We're going to hopefully see Tua maybe this year. we we'll are hopefully see Sam Darnold take the steps the proper steps, you know, and it's going to be, it, it is an interesting division in football because there's all these young quarterbacks against a guy that's trying to reclaim his career with arguably the greatest head coach of all time. So it's, it's going to be fascinating. And, and I, I'm not going to pick against new England until once again, that I witnessed the fall. Oh
0: man, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I that guess makes I'm sense. the only one that picked Buffalo. Uh, I feel like Josh Allen is, uh, you know, He's not the the best when it comes to accuracy, but you know with Steph, I, I feel like they never had a, a number one wide receiver. And hopefully, Stephon yep. Dix could make a uh, Josh Allen that that guy that he you know that he could that he could be a better quarterback. So you know I don't know, but
3: <laughs> yeah, he'll absolutely help. And I'll say this: it's um, you know it's it, if Jarrett Stidham was the starter for New England, I would have took Buffalo. I just—I no, I never believed—I never—I never believed in—never believed in that.
1: So, so the so the few pundits out there saying, "Oh, um, um, Stidham will still start. Cam will be a backup." They're crazy. Ab- insane. Absolutely
3: insane. Unless Cam shows up and his shoulders halfway off his, his, his you know, his body, mm. then then we'll see. But if you think a healthy Cam Newton is going to lose out to Jared Stidham. I don't even know what to tell
1: you. (laughs) Uh, So um, AFC North. I mean,
3: maybe the most interesting division at the top in football because I love Baltimore. I've always been a believer in Baltimore. If Big Ben is healthy, the Steelers are a problem. They have a great defense. I mean, a great defense. I Micah mean, Fitzpatrick's a stud. D.J. Watts a stud. They got Bud Dupree back on the franchise tag. They have interior help. You know, they got some young corners that are are starting to figure it out. They got some old corners and Joe Hayden that has re you know really had like a you know a revelation there to continue playing at a high level. The Browns are loaded on offense loaded. I'm still not a believer that they'll contend for that division, Agree. but you know, I'm not going to pick against Baltimore, but man, I think, I think Baltimore and the Steelers will both be in the playoffs this year. Absolutely. And and the Bengals are going to be better. Joe Burrow is going to get things going. Now they're probably not going to win a ton of games because it's such a hard division, but this, this is a good group. It's an exciting group. You know, it's put it is put up or shut up for Baker Mayfield because he was not 21 when he was drafted, and no. he's been given every weapon and offensive lineman possible this offseason. So, mm. and now he's got well, I mean, what are we looking at here? Freaking you know, coach number three, like That's you know, good. it's and he picked the last one. So, <laughs> you know, not to make this a Baker hate fest, I'm just saying that. You know, it's it's an interesting division because it's it's gonna get uh it's gonna get intense for the Browns, but I love Baltimore and, and Pittsburgh.
2: Well the the one if, good thing with, with Cleveland is this I'm, for Cleveland, if Baker doesn't do well, there are gonna be a lot of free agent quarterbacks next year
3: on the market. And pro <laughs> and prospects. Right. True. Yeah. It's it's a good
1: quarterback market next year. That is true. Um and, and like you said, that offense is loaded so <laughs> Uh, that would be a good place for a young guy to come in, so let's see, let 's see we 'll see what happens here um a f c west man I think the thing that kind of drives me nuts is the whole um Denver all of a sudden being a sleeper team somehow i i don't understand that man <laughs> well, I think number one, the chiefs
3: should be the favorite to win the super Bowl because continuity in this year is is vital, right I mean it matters so much in mm-hmm. a strange time. And Mahomes is the greatest quarterback on earth. Now, you look at this group, you know, Vegas is getting better. I just don't believe in Carr. They're getting better, though. Agree. You know, I look at Denver. They have a scary offense, but they have some problems on the line. We don't know nope. what Drew Locke is going to be. But they're like a fantasy football, uh, you know, dream. Loaded at three deep at wide receiver, two deep at running back. You know, we'll see. Von Miller is, he, he could really have a big bounce back year. Bradley Chubb coming back is huge. Might be the best pass rush duo in yep. football. They, they could still ball out this Denver team. I just don't know what Drew Locke is going to be. I don't think he'll be enough. It's kind of tough, though. I mean, you're that low. Cortland Sutton is a stud. Jerry Judy is going to be a stud. KJ Hamler's got wheels. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough team to figure out. They could be a track meet kind of team. And the defense will be very well coached. So I like – I actually like Denver. Uh, I'll tell you, the one team that, like, you want to love, but I just i just don't believe in their quarterback situation is the Chargers. Yep. You know, phenomenal. Derwin James, honestly, when healthy, could give Jamal Adams a real good run for his money as mm-hmm. best safety. Um, you know, they're just top to bottom on defense. Loaded at corner, loaded at pass rusher, loaded at linebacker. You know, obviously loaded at safety, but I just I don't I don't think Tyrod and Justin Herbert give you enough on offense where you could you could get into shootouts in a division where let's be real the three teams you're you're facing will play shootout ball with you.
2: Kind of with with uh, the Chargers, I was saying it from the very beginning. Why didn't they make a run at Cam Newton? Was it just the injury and they couldn't get him in for a physical because
3: of the COVID thing or?
2: Was it something
3: It's a great great question. I think a lot of it has to do with the injury. I think the Chargers kind of looked at – so I could tell you from being on the road, the Chargers have been doing the groundwork to draft a quarterback forever. So they viewed Tyrod as the perfect guy ahead of that quarterback. And I think they didn't want to pivot from their plan. I think they knew – now – Herbert's the kind of personality where if Tyrod wasn't there, you could assign Cam and Herbert will step back and be like, cool, I'll play behind Cam this year and let's see how it goes. But they they were just so committed to Tyrod instead of Cam that they wanted to go with that strategy. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I thought it's actually a good landing spot. I think Anthony Lynn would be the right coach for Cam. Not saying that Belichick isn't, but you know, Cam set it on his, on the, I forget what the name of the video was, but he's like, "Man, me and Belichick, like that's sort of the first thing he said mm-hmm. to his agent." And you know, it, but it, you know, they'll they'll definitely figure it out. Um, yeah, so the Chargers, I, I would have liked that, but it's just, you know, it just they had a plan in place. And, 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 and let's be real, Cam got screwed actually by the Panthers. Yep. So that, that can't nope. be said enough. I think I think in a world where Cam Newton gets cut early on. You, before oh, yeah. the, well before the draft you sit there and go oh okay we'll bring in cam newton and we'll draft a guy and take pre justin herbert's not like a guy that handles pressure well so he could cam newton could steal all the shine from justin herbert and then you let him redshirt a year but cam got screwed mm. by the panthers where i mean let's be real like cam newton on the bears wouldn't have made a difference this year you know it's yeah. like
0: Yep, <laughs> like, I was one
2: of my, a,
3: That was one of my predictions. <laughs> yeah. What, your, so, uh,
2: what are your quick thoughts about De- Herbert? Do you think he's got uh, a chance to be a, a good I, quarterback?
3: Wasn't very high on him. Uh, had him in the second round. I very just, you know, yeah, I just <laughs> think that it, he just didn't handle pressure well in college, and, and that often doesn't translate very well at the next level. He's actually not that different than Josh Allen, to be honest with you. The only mm. difference is mm. – Josh Allen is a lot tougher mentally and, and you see it the way he plays. Josh Allen yep. will go out and throw for 130 yards and you're like, how the hell did they win? And you go, well, he ran for a hundred and scored two touchdowns with his legs. Yep. Just Cause he doesn't care. He doesn't care. You know, I don't, I don't <laughs> think Herbert's that kind of guy necessarily.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's so true, man. I've watched enough Herbert. I, I you don't, in my opinion, you couldn't – you didn't have to watch his film to tell that he did not have that kind of mentality. I watched him enough on television to know that he just wasn't that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not Connor Rogers, so. <laughs> um, i with you, man. <laughs> um, AFC South, man.
3: Yeah, so a little bit of a – you know, some transition in this division. Jacksonville is easily in a transition period. I think um, – you know the Colts obviously don't want to be. you sign Phillip Rivers, you trade for Defoe. those are win now moves, so the Colts are going for it. the titans i I think they had a little bit of magic last year, and they're a good roster. i just I think the Colts are going to get hot this year. I really do I, I you know I believe in them so and then the Texans Sean Watson's my favorite quarterback in football i I just I think it's going to be tough without without nuke there, you know, and Bill O'Brien make a decision. It's, it's just, it's, it's really disappointing. (laughs) Like it's really disappointing because you look at Watson and theoretically he should be in the same recognition space as Lamar Jackson, right? Where it's like young quarterback in the league. When it's, when they're on TV, you have to watch, like if Baltimore is on, you you have to turn them on. And because Lamar does things that we hadn't really seen since Vic, Watson's not that far away from that. Like, he does nope. things where you're just like, man, this offense stinks, and this guy just finds a way to get them down the field. Take away Hopkins, it's a little scary. And it's, it's, it's going to be disappointing to me if it, it makes him take a step back in his career. I think he's so good it won't, but it, it won't help him take a step forward. right? He start, you know what he's starting to feel like is the Russell Wilson of the AFC. That's where crazy. it's like, yep. it's like okay, his offensive line sucks. He's running for his life. Okay, they don't have any good receivers anymore. And I know Seattle finally fixed that, right? They got DK there. But it's, it, it never feels like Russ is functioning in this Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs offense. It's like he, <laughs> you never feel that way. Well, and, and they do have pieces on defense, so that's good. But it, he's starting to feel that way. So I, I, I kind of like the Colts in this division, oddly enough. And I think it's going to be, I'm I th- you know, it's not the most exciting division because like Tennessee's kind of boring. Jacksonville's boring. Watson's great, but his team's just not, not the most fun to watch. I know they won a playoff game last year, but I think the Colts have a lot of right pieces in place to, to make a little bit of a push this
1: year. Yeah. And, and stability at quarterback position. I think that matters. Yes, it yeah. does. Yeah, definitely.
0: Just don't expect Tannehill to do the same thing he did last year. No. I, I took a gamble. I took a gamble. Hey, kinda. I swear to you, I took a gamble on him last yes. year and, and made the craziest predictions. And Sharman and Chris was like, what How? Davin, how the hell did you get these predictions right? And I was like, I, I he right was. Though.
1: He did, he did, he did. He came out before, and he said he said that he was going to go on a run. It's crazy that it actually happened. <laughs>
3: That's uh, spot on. I mean, it really came out of nowhere. And I'll tell you, it wouldn't shock me this year if we see the the most ironic one is that Marcus Mariota does the same thing to Derek Carr this year. I, oh, exactly, man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because I'll so tell to you right something. now, they love Marcus Mariota, John Gruden and Mike Mayock. They love no. him. And the first, second, Derek Carr gives them a reason. I, it, you know, Mario is a weird player, right? You see these yes. super highs, super lows. He's not a very, uh, you know, outgoing personality at quarterback, which is rare for the position. But I, I just I, – there's something – when you're that aggressive to go out and sign a guy as your backup and they give him a decent deal, yep. you look at it and go, okay, they, they like him more than as a, a game-managing number two.
1: Yeah, it, that makes sense. And if you have a quarterback like Carr that for some reason does not like to throw the ball long, yeah, that's uh that's kind of weird. That's one of the things that always like stuck to me is the fact that he he always likes to think and dunk. And even when Yum. he has has guys wide open downfield. Uh but um to move to the NFC, um, NFC East. I know uh the whole Dak thing, man. I mean, I don't think anybody could understand what, what happened over there. I mean, it's the most confusing thing. Was that a Dak um, mess up where he did not sign con- um, contracts that he should have? What, what, what happened there? No, it's, it's on the Cowboys. And, and because the Cowboys want to live
3: in a world where they have rules about their negotiations. And at some point, you got to realize that the market around you changes, right? It's kind of like this, guys. Like, say, you know, when we were kids – you walk into the bodega and and you want like a can of Coke and it's like 75 cents. Right. And and now we're adults. You walk into the bodega, the can of Coke is a dollar 25. And it's like, well, I I used to pay 75 cents for this. Like what it's just, it's changed. And Dallas doesn't really seem to be interested in playing that game with Dak where I'm not saying they're lowballing him, right. They're not offering him $25 million a year to play quarterback, but they're not structuring the deal in a way that a face of the franchise quarterback at his trajectory right he's, he's playing at a very high level on, and he's ascending he's not descending he's only ascended drastically over the last two years true they're not putting that on paper in the contract offers now you're seeing reports oh he passed up 100 million guaranteed and he passed up 33 million dollars a year things like that right like That that doesn't matter. It's the structure of the deal that Dak wants fixed where, you know, Dak wants to be able to get not only paid again, but wants to be paid at a high level three years from now and doesn't want to be like the 16th highest paid quarterback three years from now. So I'm with Dak on this. I I don't, you can't tell me. You could figure out contract extensions for Jalen Smith and Ezekiel Hmm. Elliott at Pretty alarming numbers, considering their positions, right? Yep. And we're familiar with this because we're Jets fans. The Jets paid <laughs> Le'Veon Bell a lot of money. They paid C.J. Mosley a lot of money. That if they this is like after doing that, if they got to the bargaining table, say Sam Darnold has a has a huge year, like Dak did last year, and then the Jets go, well, ah, like you know, this is our sticking point. It's like, no, 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 this is not how this works. So. <laughs> I'm with Dak. I think it's ridiculous. And I think the Cowboys are almost saying, like, we'll roll the dice and can you do it again? And Dak's in wow. there going, yeah, I could do it again. I'll make my $32 mm. million this year, and then you're going to have to pay me 37 next year. And then after that, I hit the open market, and somebody's going to give me 50 because hmm. that's what the open market does. We saw it with Kirk Cousins yeah. a couple of years ago. The guy set the market on fire. Dak will do the same thing.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what um, wh- who do you think comes out of there, man? Um, I know I know the Eagles are kind of effy here, but uh, what do you see coming out of the um, NFCs?
3: It's Dallas for me. Uh, you know, I, I'm a Dak believer. Uh, I like their defense enough. I think we're going to see a motivated, reinvigorated Mike McCarthy, and I think that's exciting. Mm. I'm not saying he'll be Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, but I think he'll be pretty good. And I think, you know, they can run the ball. That's no secret. They just do a lot of the little things right. And I just don't think this division's that great, honestly. Like, you look at it and you go, all right. Like, Daniel Jones surprised some people last year, but the Giants stunk. Like, they (laughs) stunk. The defense was atrocious. What did they do to get that much better? Like, you signed James Bradbury to $15 million a year, and you, like – you know, you, you, your number one, your first-round pick at corner is probably going to jail. Like, so <laughs>
1: – Crazy.
3: And even if he doesn't, like, they're, that relationship seems completely broken. You know, Saquon's great, and Andrew – I like their draft. Let me make that clear. Like, it, this was the first year I said, okay, the Giants have direction. I like Andrew Thomas. I like yep. Xavier McKinney. They're not flashy picks. They're not sexy picks. They'll both come in and be very, very solid starters right away. I, agree. I just, I just don't see them being a competitive defense, and Washington is, you know, they Washington's weird, right? Like they probably have the best front front four in football, Whew, but man, they're they're broken up on the secondary. They, you know, a lot is riding on Haskins, and he doesn't have a ton to work with yet. And the Eagles, let's call it like we see it, were one Carson Wentz. You know, he roll, rolled ankle away from disaster every year, and and they're they're a little weird too. They're a team, you know. To kind of tie this back into the Jets podcast. If they could make a move for they're, they're in cap hell, so they won't. If they could make a move for Jamal Adams, then you go, okay, that was the piece they needed. They need like a chess piece cover backer that can roam around and and also play deep safety if you like. That's the move where I I like the Eagles a lot more. But I think they're just a little thin. And once again, they're – you know, the offense has some question marks. They already suffered a significant injury on the offensive line. Oh, God. Yep. So it's – it's Cowboys in the driver's seat for me.
1: Yep. Um, NFC West. All right. So,
3: oh, man, this is one where (laughs) you look at it and you could really pick any of the four and you'd be – you can't make fun of somebody for any of the picks, right? Like I, I, it's, I look at it and it's like, okay, well we know the Niners are stacked up and unless Jimmy G falls apart, the Niners should be, you know, should be just as good again. I, I always love Seattle because I think Russ is special. Russ is, Russ is <laughs> like, I, if people don't want to hear this, Russ is, I don't want to say as good – he's not as good as Mahomes, obviously. Russ is as important as Mahomes. Let me put it that way, Definitely. right? Like, mm. like, what Russ can do to a team is very similar to what Mahomes can do to a team. And Russ isn't throwing to Tyree Kill or Travis mm. Kelsey or having Andy Reid call the plays or an offensive line that keeps him up. Like, that's why I love Pat Mahomes, and he's special. But – when you look at what Russ does, it's like you know what I'm a, I'm just as impressed. <laughs> like yep. honestly, I'm just as impressed. So, the problem with the Rams is the offensive line is going to bottom out this year, I think, just because of a talent problem. You know, they have such a good coaching staff, but it seems like the cupboard's getting a little bare on the offensive line. Where it, it, actually, it's not, it's not fair to them, right? Because even if they're average, I don't know if Goff has a great year behind an average line. So yeah, the Ram the Rams will be competitive, like they feel like a nine or like a nine win team, and, and then the Cardinals are just such a wild card because they're so loaded now on offense, like loaded on offense. I mean, does oh, anybody yeah. even remember that they have DeAndre Hopkins now? Like, <laughs> so uh, this feels like a division where nobody lo- nobody. You won't have a team win less than six or seven games, right?
1: Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's going to be – it's going to be something, man. These games are going to – these uh, divisional games are going to be crazy. I'm going to be tuning in for those. Um, NFC uh, North. Uh, oof, man. I mean, you had the
3: Packers, like, rip off 13 wins last year. Super impressive, obviously. You know, love their defense. It, it's just – they're loaded up. I think it's it's tough to pick against them. It really is. The Bears – Great defense. Don't believe in the quarterback. Vikings, I think you look at them and it's like, you know, they lost Stephon Diggs. They're still loaded on defense. They'll be competitive. You know, and the Lions, I just, what do you, you, like, it's hard to really sit here and tell you the Lions are going to compete in that division for the title. So I think, you know, there's skeptics around Green Bay, but I think Green Bay is going to repeat that division.
0: And real quick, uh, do you think that it's going to be a problem for, for Rodgers to get uh, some some other wide receivers the ball other than Devontae Adams? Because I still was kind of disappointed that the Packers didn't draft no receivers so in the draft.
3: Yeah, I thought the draft was was not good, borderline terrible in terms of yes. addressing needs. Um, you know, now what I will say with Rodgers, he'll do a good job getting Alan Lazard involved. Aaron Jones will be a factor in the pass game. It's tough though. It's a good point. It's, you know, it's, it's you're looking at that offense and you're going, why didn't they do more at the pass catcher spot? Yes. They're going to be a, they're going to be a run heavy team. And we're not used to hearing those words in an Aaron Rodgers world, but they're going to be a run heavy team. And, and it's going to be, you know, people are going to have to step up. And I think Lazard can actually step up in that role.
2: Kind yeah. of. Do, do you think they're looking ahead already when they drafted uh, Jordan Love and they're already saying, listen, in another year or two, we're gonna move on from Rogers?
3: Yes, absolutely. I think when you look at it, I think I think Rogers will be so annoyed at the situation that I think after this year the the, tie, the parties will cut ties with each other somehow. Yeah. And I will tell you, if, if Jimmy G doesn't have a good year, keep an eye on San Francisco. Ooh. Ooh,
1: you heard it. You you hear you heard it here first, man. <laughs> that, was, that was
3: his favorite team
1: growing up, right?
3: It, it, yeah, it's a perfect. It's a match made in heaven. You have an older Aaron <laughs> Rodgers who wants to go out on top. Could go home and Kyle Shanahan, you know, sitting there going, "I can coach Aaron Rodgers." Okay, cool. We're gonna Ye- make this work. They they you know Shanahan going back to his dad as a coach. They always have a great run game. An old quarterback needs that. Yep. You know, you get you get play action and throwing down the fields, cooking. Uh, it, it's, to me, the most logical spot. Wow. Yeah, he's yeah, got a lot crazy.
2: of, he's still got a lot of money. Is that, I know the dead cap. How does that work when, when you're traded? Does that dead cap stay with the old team? What is that?
3: It, it can. Old? It depends on how things are, are converted into signing bonuses and things like that. So that's why it gets so tricky, right? Like, you don't know how much the team has to take on. Oh. To, like, I think the Patriots still have money for Brady this year somehow. Like, there's just weird. The language of the contract can. Moving on from Rodgers after this year will not be easy. But I, I just think it's going to come to a breaking point where sides have to make things work.
1: Right. That, that's going to be a sad thing, man. You, you had a legendary quarterback on your team for how many years now when you only and won you get one, one Super Bowl? Super Bowl. Yep. That, oh, it, not, that. <laughs> that's crazy. That's great. Uh, NFC South.
3: Another division, kind of, you know, you look at it and you go, I mean, we're so used to, like, penciling in the Saints, right? Of course, like, you're gonna, it's, it's wild to not do that. Panthers are in a complete transition. year. I like Teddy. But, I mean, it, it's, you know, this, everybody with this division is going to talk about the Bucs and Saints. And <laughs> I don't, I'm not ready to pick against the Saints yet, right? Like, I, I just – we fall yeah. for this every year every year we fall for this like super team thing and I'm just not doing it this year. I think the bucks will be fine. I don't think they're going to come out and win 14 games. Like, and if you want to beat the saints in that division, you probably have to win 14 games. So uh, I look at it and think that it's, it's going to be a classic division where, you know, the bucks come out as a wild card. The saints win the division. We get a transition year for the Panthers you know, I, I love Matt Ryan. I just think the Falcons have unfortunately started to fall behind in how aggressive mm-hmm. these divisions have gotten,
1: these teams have gotten. Yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, um, what do you think of – so uh, let us be the first to ask you, uh, who, who do you think the two, guys, the two teams are going to be in the Super Bowl?
3: Well, I'd definitely say in the Chiefs. I think the continuity right. matters. It matters so much. Now, it's interesting, right, because you look at the other side. You could make the same argument for the Niners. I I feel like it's kind of, you know, a a little ridiculous of me to not take them, but I'm not going to. I I think we'll have – honestly, I think it will be like Chiefs and Seattle. I could see that one. I, I just think that if DK stays healthy and is the threat that we saw last year, you know, we know they'll run the ball. We know what Russ can do. The defense can get right. I would really. The problem with Seattle is, and why I won't write them in pen right now, where I'd write the Chiefs in ink, it feels like they need Jadavian Clowney, right? Like, true. It, you can't win very far without an edge threat. And mm-hmm. we know this as Jets fans. Yes. And I mean, last year in the Super Bowl, you have Nick Bosa and Frank Clark. And great great interior defensive linemen next to them lighting it up. So Seattle needs more juice on the defensive line. They need Clowney back. I don't know if it happens. I'm not really confident. But I I at least think you look at it and you you feel good about Seattle.
2: What do you think uh, – what do you call it? Hasn't been signed
3: yet. Clowney? Clowney? Yeah, how come
2: Clowney hasn't been signed yet?
3: Well, he overestimated his market, right? He thought he'd get $20 million a year. Nobody nobody wanted to do that. When he dropped the number, it became a couple of things. One, team still just didn't really care to pay him that. But more importantly, Clowney's a guy that you have to do a lot of work on from a physical standpoint yes. because of his injuries over the years. So We have a couple of good players out there, right, that no one talks about. Clowney obviously gets talked about. Logan Ryan has gotten some buzz. Larry Warford has gotten some buzz. Tony Jefferson is still out there, unsigned.
1: Yep, Safety, coming off yep.
3: Yeah, coming off a torn knee, he needs a physical. And, and Tony, Tony plays at a high level. Uh, Everson Griffin from the Vikings, I mean, one of the most Crazy. consistent edge guys in the league. So wow. now I think a guy like Griffin might be sitting there going, hey, I'm going to let the, the protocols figure themselves out with the pandemic. I'm an older guy. I, I don't need to be at camp from day one. So, you know, when you have a fa- – right? Like, if you have a family, you've made a ton of money, you've had a great NFL career, you know teams value you. I mean, Jason Peters just did the same thing, right? Like, Jason Peters sat there and was like, hey, I, I'll wait till somebody gets hurt and then I'll get the money I deserve and I'll show up. You know, I don't, I don't need to do all these voluntary Zoom workouts for a month. And it, it, that that plays into it more than the public tells you.
1: True. Well, no yeah um this is i mean just doing this is just kind of had me i want football so bad man <laughs> i think i think <laughs> I we
0: all
1: yeah yeah we can't, we can't wait for football man um uh con uh, connor man it's uh it's always awesome to have you man have you um talking football like this this is a lot of fun I uh, hope we could do it again sometime
3: most definitely guys yeah most definitely i I'm optimistic we will have NFL football to talk about this year. So, um, you know, it's yeah, we could use it. I can't say the same about college, but um, (laughs) you know, I think I think we'll have an NFL season. I just I'm hoping everyone stays healthy and they could do it the right way and and that it'll be, you know, it'll hopefully be a a fun year.
1: I hope so. This year has
3: to bounce back, right? I mean, at some point.
2: (laughs) It's gotta be a good part of this year at some point,
1: right? Yeah, it gotta be, man. <laughs> tell tell the people where they could find you, man. Connor. Yeah,
3: at Con- at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. Um, uh, I obviously work at, at Bleacher Report full time, so a ton of my stuff ends up on there. Closer to the draft and the actual season. So we're getting back to that. Uh stick to football is, is gonna be coming back twice a week in August, so you know, if you like-, like hearing me just ramble on like I have for the last hour, that's what I do twice a week <laughs> for stick to football, so It's uh, And of course, yeah, and of course, uh, Turn on the Jets, we do the Badlands pod, if you just want to hear the Jets side. So, you know, a ton of places. I'm really just fortunate I get to do this. You know, it's going to be a weird year. No travel this year for me after I spent almost almost every week on the road last season from the beginning of August to uh, end of December. But it's, um, you know, it'll be different. It's something to look forward to, I hope.
0: Oh, man. I think I think we'll all be looking forward to it. Uh thank you so much for joining us on this one hundredth episode. And again, we do this for y'all every week. We did it for one hundred weeks straight without missing a week. And
3: congrats, and so, guys. Thank, thank you thank so much. You, that's thank impressive. you very much. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: awesome. <laughs> That's yeah, have missed a week. Is even when we want to miss a week, we don't. We, we figure out a way how to make it work. So, hey, Davin that, became a dad again for the second time. So thank you, know you so she much.
2: That just shows Congratulations,
1: it. brother! <laughs>
0: a Big thank, congrats, man. Yeah, thank thank you so much. Uh, Cheyenne was born Thursday at one p.m. and uh, trust me, it's a blessing. And Ooh. but I still do. But you know, I'm still here with y'all, so I'm not going nowhere no time soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, as uh. As we always do it, we're we're taking flight. Take flight. Take flight.